Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. Halfway home on this Wednesday afternoon, this is where you go, one-stop shopping for our reactions to everything going on in sports. We start this 4 o'clock reset with the Phoenix Suns locked in to number 4. 115 to 94. The Suns get the win. Went over the Spurs last night. A Pelicans lost to the Kings. Assures the Phoenix Suns of the number four seed. They will be at home in the first round of the series. At least home court advantage. Home court advantage in the first round. Guaranteed. Crazy game. I mean, they, they seem to be in big control. up by 31. But all of a sudden, a barrage of three-pointers in the third quarter. Spurs got it within nine. Twice they got it within nine. But then Kevin Durant with this incredible come-from-behind blocks. You know, got the Suns off to a, a great run right there. A nine-nothing run. They ended up pulling away. Chris Paul shot the ball very well. He had 22 points. DeAndre Ayton added 19. He was 7 of 7 from the free throw line. That's something we always keep an eye on. Always. Kevin Durant missed 8 shots but still finished with 18 points. He was fine. And the bench, we'll get into that in a second. Booker led the team with 27 points. We mentioned this a little bit ago. He's now 74 points away from 3rd all-time on the franchise list behind Kevin Johnson. Will he get there this year? Yeah, well, it depends on if he plays all 3 of those games. You would think that Booker would average 20 a game. He could average 25 a game, but it, it, he's going to get there eventually. There's no rush to do it. The most important thing is, you know, to, to keep him healthy, keep him fresh. You're going to get five days, maybe six off before you play your first game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Monty uses the starters and the bench guys in these final three games. Speaking of the bench, that really caught our attention last oh, night. Did. Campaign did not play. Monty on why? No, he's fine. Um, it's just a, de- a decision that I made to try to do something else with that second group. Um, defensively, having bigger guys out there. The other part is putting the ball in Book's hands a little bit and letting him, you know, play point and, and orchestrate. So it's just something that we're looking at. So campaign did not play last night. He entered the transfer portal today. Hmm. We'll keep our eye on where, where what teams would be interested. More point book, more Landry Shamit in there for his defense. He's a little bit taller. You know, he's a better defensive player than campaign. He's a baller. Got plenty of ball handlers between Devin Book, between Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, guys who can initiate the offense. I don't know. Is this just a one-game thing? Is this how it's going to be? Who knows at this point? I think point? you're experimenting in case Chris Paul wears down. I think you're experimenting in case there's an injury. I think in these three games, you're not really playing for anything. Four is locked up. Let me let me see what happens if I do this. Let me see what happens if I do that. Just to give him some options in the playoffs. Because last year, once Dallas started getting on a roll, Monty had no answers. Yeah. Nuggets come in here tomorrow. They got embarrassed last night by the Houston Rockets prompted Michael Malone to call the team soft in last night's game. Uh, it was pretty bad for the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are questionable for tomorrow's game against the Suns. Jokic coming back last night after that calf tightness that had cost him three games. Murray hurt his thumb last night. And there's some speculation around the Nuggets that they might shut him down for the rest of the regular wow. season to make sure he's right for the postseason. So that would give him two weeks to recover because they're not going to play till. 
You know, not next weekend. So give them a lot of time to recover because yeah. they, they're going to play Saturday or Sunday. The injury report for the Suns for tomorrow is clean. Now, around the rest of the association, big game tonight. Huge game between the Lakers and the Clippers. The winner will be temporarily the fifth seed in the Western Conference. Now, whether they stay there or not, I don't know. Right now, it's the Warriors. Whoever wins tonight will pass them. The Clippers, yes. they've won 10 straight games over the Lakers. They have the tiebreaker this year against the Lakers, no matter what happens tonight. So ultimately, it seems like the Clippers would be in the driver's seat over the Lakers because and of that. rested. They haven't played. They're on yes. three days off. They haven't played in three days where the Lakers played last night. So a rested Clippers team against a non-rested Lakers team. Yeah, Lakers played last night. Big, heavy minutes for Anthony Davis and for LeBron James. Turning our attention to the Cardinals, the allegations against the Cardinals and owner Michael Bidwell made waves yesterday. Nothing major has developed since, but Mike Sando, who, along with other writers at The Athletic, were those who broke this story, uh, had the report, pointed out maybe the next step might lie in the former coach of the Cardinals, Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes is the next step. I think he is a very important witness uh, in this. Obviously, he has his own lawsuit against the Cardinals going, so he's not a completely unbiased source, but I think he's somebody seen in the league with some credibility. And then it becomes not a he said, she said type of thing. I mean, he said, he said, and he said that we had burner phones. Okay, now you're in some trouble. So, yeah, I think that would be the logical step to back up what uh, Terry McDonough is saying. If he's he's saying that there were burner phones used while Steve was on suspension, Steve Wilkes would have been a part of that. You go to Steve and you ask him, well, there are burner phones? And he'll say yes or no. Yeah, if he can corroborate the story that Terry McDonough has put out there through his arbitration filing. Other Cardinal news, NFL draft prospect and Georgia offensive lineman Broderick Jones likely to have a top 30 visit with the Arizona Cardinals, according to Jeremy Fowler. That visit could happen today. And then reports last week from Mike Jarecki being backed up today by Compare.Bet's Kyle Odegaard. New uniforms apparently for the Cardinals next season that will be yeah. unveiled right before draft Yeah, nights. Mike Jarecki broke that story first that there will be new uniforms for the Arizona Cardinals. He broke that last week. So a lot of people that get excited about the uh, the uniforms and everything. Uh, they're going to have new uniforms. The Arizona I know that's Cardinals. not you. I know you're not a not uniform me. guy. Not me. I'm not a uniform guy. I know. I mean, I mean, like when Mike Jarecki broke the story last week, he he uh, we talked we talked about him. Like, man, I, you know, good good get for MJ, but man, I just don't get into the whole New Jersey type, the New Jersey colors and hats. It's not me. I think it is about time that this is about four years past due for them. Yeah, to have new I uniforms. know you do. I, I know get you a little do. excited about stuff like this. Other draft news: ASU running back X Valade has a top thirty NFL draft nice. visit with the Cincinnati Bengals. That, according to Mike Garofolo, nice. was a NFL nice. Network. Portal transfer pickup for ASU. Did a good job. Solid running back. Kirk Creesa going to go to West Virginia. Transferring from Arizona to the West Virginia men's basketball Take team. Take me home, Mountain Mama. He announced on his Instagram page on Wednesday. He told ESPN that starting from scratch and challenging himself with his destination was the goal. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a mutual parting of ways. Uh, U of A didn't want him back and he didn't want to come back. Now, all eyes on Arizona is whether Tabellis comes back to team with Balo to get them one of the great front courts. They still got Pella coming back, and they've got Boswell. They could be really good, one of the top teams in the country, if Tabellus decides to come back for his senior year. All eyes on that right now. Yeah, and does he enter the transfer portal? I know a lot of people are kind of nervously awaiting to see if something like that Tabellus? There was some speculation when they got bounced. I I haven't seen anything lately, but I remember reading something like right after they lost to Princeton, like, would they lose him? Could Uh, he go somewhere else? I'd cry. I think you would. I might might cry. The Arizona Coyotes, along with their development firm, Bluebird Development, announced a 
$2.3 billion with a B claim against the city of Phoenix for damages caused by Phoenix's legal filing just about a week ago that acted against the NHL's team's plans to build a hockey arena in Tempe. PR firm on behalf of the Coyotes and their developers said that the legal response is for Phoenix breaking its word and deciding to undermine a plan to convert a hazardous, unlined, Tempe-owned landfill into a new sports and entertainment district next to Tempe Town Lake. Interesting. I mean, the vote hasn't happened yet. I don't know how there's any damages. I mean, the vote is still going to go through, but I think they're... I mean, they just got to fight this because the public perception is going to be you got the borrowway situation, you've got a lawsuit from Phoenix and over noise for a certain amount of people, and you just want to make sure it's going in your direction. So you got to fight everything so the people in Tempe, you know, can see that this is a good project worth backing. I, I think there is a lot of, you're right, public perception going on here because when Phoenix says they're suing, now that, you know, people who are going to vote on this in Tempe, they're like, wait, why is Phoenix suing? What's wrong with this project? And not that the Coyotes had to counter sue to make up for that, but it's almost like, oh no, we're, you're, you're damaging our efforts to try to get a yes vote on this. Right. By suing us so close to the election day, we're going to sue you back because it seems like you're trying to hurt our chances of actually winning this election. The ballots go out on this in like a couple of weeks. 17th, I think. If I'm not mistaken. I think the 17th or the 18th of this month. Yeah, and then their May 16th is the deadline. Look, we'll this is it. That. I mean, we don't, we don't have to sugarcoat this. If the vote passes, they'll stay. If the vote fails, they're, they're going to have to leave. There's no, there's no plan B. There's no other options. And I got to continue to play at a college arena. If the vote fails, they will leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. The city of Phoenix received the notice of claim letter today. They This is according to a release from the city of Phoenix. We received the notice of claim letter today. Phoenix will respond in due course, but the developer restates the same arguments that the airport and, more importantly, the FAA has already debunked. So we'll see. It's But you're right. There aren't many options left. No, for there's the no plan B. There's yeah. no plan B. This is the final chance of trying to stay here for them. Legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement, and we'd like to hear from you. Text the word AL, A-L, to 620-620. Submit a video, a thank you, Al, message. We might play it on the air. Again, text the word AL to 620-620 and thank the forever voice of the Phoenix Suns as he heads off into retirement after 51 years. When we come back, an interesting point made this morning by one of those reporting on the allegations against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll share that with you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, there have been no new developments necessarily when it comes to the Terry McDonough and his arbitration claim that he has filed against the Arizona Cardinals. It was obviously our top story of the day yesterday in which uh, an arbitration claim was filed by former Cardinals executive Terry McDonough. It was filed to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. That arbitration claim claims that owner Michael Bidwell is accused of, and I'm quoting here, gross misconduct, including cheating, discrimination, and harassment. Uh, there are two very distinct issues as part of this. Issue number one is the burner phone issue. Back in 2018, when Steve Keim, then the GM of the Cardinals, was suspended for his DUI, the arbitration claim alleges that 
burner phones were used to keep Steve Kime in the loop of everything that was going on and that Terry McDonough and then head coach Steve Wilkes wanted nothing to do with the burner phones and they were forced to by Michael Bidwell and when they raised objections Michael allegedly uh, berated Terry McDonough and demoted him ultimately and, and those are the allegations now the Cardinals have countered by saying the exact opposite is true when Michael found out that there were burner phones he's the one who pulled the plug on it and that there was an unnamed executive who was kind of responsible for that scheme. That part we kind of all expect to come out, right? I am, I'm still, if, if they did that behind Michael's back and there weren't uh, what, ramifications. That would be the word. Like, that's incredible. I can't imagine that you would go, the owner says, I'm suspending him. The owner suspended him. The owner fined him. If you've got people in your organizations that are going around your back, including the GM, to do this burner, that's why it's like, it's almost too hard to believe. And then Michael Bidwell doesn't do anything about it. Hey, I just found out that they're going, they went behind my back and they've all got burner phones. You don't fire them. You don't get rid of everybody. You don't self-report to the NFL. Like, hey, this happened. Like, I like I can't imagine just, oh, you guys shouldn't have done that. Give me those phones. Give me those phones. I'm going to confiscate them. Throw them away. I just like, can you truly believe that a bunch of people got together behind Michael Bidwell's back and did a burner phone scheme? I would wonder why, because we don't know who the executive is that the Cardinals say the burner phone thing was their idea. We don't know who that person was. We can't say whether that person was dismissed because of it, because we don't know who it is. And we don't know for sure whether the Cardinals self-reported themselves to the NFL. That's a good question. I'd like to know, you know, did Michael Bidwell inform the NFL, hey, we suspend, because remember, the Cardinals suspended Steve Kime. It wasn't the NFL that suspended him. It was the Cardinals who did that punishment to him. I don't think those are grounds to terminate Steve Kime in that moment, but I certainly think it's reasonable to think that you would have tacked on some time to his suspension. So this athletic story that was out today says, according to the complaint between July 18th and 20th, just before Kime's suspension was announced, the burner phones were distributed to team executives, Wilkes, McDonough, and uh, and Wilkes and McDonough objected. So, uh, objected. objected, yes. So team executives, like there were several people that were involved in this burner phone scheme, according to McDonough. We just don't know who. And we don't know what has been done about it, but but yeah, I mean, both sides are acknowledging that there were that there were phones that were being used. It's just a question of who initiated it, who shut it down, who objected, right. who did. Well, we do know that says McDonough approached Bidwell on the field after practice, told him that he and Wilkes were not comfortable speaking to Kime during the GM suspension, that they could handle the five week suspension in his absence, and that the Cardinals did not need to cheat to have a successful season. Then it says Bidwell stopped McDonough, started screaming at him at a high volume. You accuse him McDonough of insubordination, telling McDonough that he didn't like his attitude. He got summoned to Bidwell's office the next morning, and the owner told McDonough he was writing him up for unprofessional conduct in the workplace. Um, and then here's where it gets interesting. This is the then Bidwell tells McDonough that you, you're not going to be able to sit in the owner's box, which he had done for four years during games. And then it says that Bidwell showed up at an evening scouting staff meeting and another meeting with the Cardinals coaches and scouts, uh, which he had never done before. And that's where they talked about Bidwell bullied, belittled and criticized McDonough. Yep. And again, 
Those are all part all of the allegations. allegations. Yep. All part of the allegations. And we need to make sure we are very fair in pointing out that there are two sides to everything. And that's just what Terry McDonough is alleging about all of this. But that's all kind of part of what was presented to, to Roger Goodell as part of this arbitration claim. And, and we'll, you know, the Cardinals say they welcome arbitration. Bring it on. Let's go. And that, that, that the burner phone idea that, that there were executives, not Michael Bidwell, and that Michael Bidwell, when he found out about it, he's the one who shut it down. Then there's the whole other separate issue. And to me, it is a completely separate issue. Uh, Some of the other things that were alleged by Terry McDonough, uh, the things about the the work environment and the voice to a group of Cardinals employees that Terry McDonough thinks he's giving a voice to by shedding light on a pattern of workplace misconduct by Bidwell. And I'm quoting from the report here uh, that is endemic. Uh, McDonough said in his filing that Bidwell had treated a black employee and two pregnant women poorly created an environment of fear for minority employees. Again, reading right from the report, this is all part of the allegation. Cardinal shot right back and said, that's a smear. It's truly beneath contempt. Our our owner has a long track record of fostering diversity and racial equity within our team and the league. And that's what makes this allegation especially despicable. And there is some truth to that. The Cardinals have long had a good reputation for for racial diversity and their hiring practices and the the things they've done. This is true. I mean, the Phoenix Suns did too. When all that came out about Robert, I mean, the sons were at the one of the leaders in the industry at inclusion and hiring minorities and promoting minorities. They were they were very, very good at it. Now, I'll tell you one thing that has been new, for lack of a better way of putting it, about this story has been the reaction around the league to the Cardinals reaction to it. Yes. The the, the three page attack of Terry McDonough in which the Cardinals are defending themselves. We used the word vehemently many times yesterday, passionately, strongly defending themselves, in which they bring up a lot of personal stuff about Terry McDonough. Yeah, they're trying to discredit him. His family and, I mean, even suggesting allegations of domestic violence and and all of this is part of their kind of defense. Mike Sando from The Athletic, um, who, uh, along with two other writers from The Athletic, they released their story about this the exact same time ESPN.com did. Mike Sando was Bickley and Murata this morning, and he talked a little bit about the Cardinals' response to McDonough's claim. If somebody accuses you of being a retaliatory person and you immediately retaliate, what does that show? They're accusing Michael Bidwell of retaliating in kind of a personal way. And you could easily just say, hey, that there's disputes in employment and these types of things happen, but they're, they didn't just put out a statement. I mean, they were quoting somebody who called the team right after he was hired and said he's a bad family guy. He's not the only one who has said that, by the I've way. I've seen a lot, a lot of a lot of comments about that. Why are the Cardinals attacking him personally? Now, there's two approaches to this. One, you stay mum and you let the court of public opinion go, which would, if you don't say anything, the court of public opinion is going to lean towards, oh my God, I can't believe what Michael Bidwell did. The Cardinals haven't said anything. It must be true. They're not defending themselves. When you get put in a corner like that, you know, you're you're like a trapped animal. You feel like you have to defend yourself. And if the Cardinals have a lot of stuff on Terry McDonough, and they're, they're like, listen, this guy wasn't a very good guy. Like they're they're letting it out. They're letting it be known to kind of discredit Terry McDonough. 
listen, Terry McDonough, if, if, if he's right on a lot of this stuff, he has the power to bring down Michael Bidwell the way Robert Sarver was brought down. I mean, toxic if he's work, right. Again, we don't know if, if he's, he's right. right. I mean, it, you know, if, if he's right, there are, these are these are heavy allegations. Cardinals feel a need to defend themselves and say that, you know, this is not true. And we've got proof to back it up. And by the way, we had a lot of problems with this guy. He wasn't the easiest guy to deal with. And here's why. I, I don't know how I feel about them coming out and saying it, but a lot of people don't like that approach. I thought it was. A, I mean, look, this is just my opinion on this. And I, I get the Cardinals needing to defend themselves, feeling like they needed to. And I think they had to say something in defense of themselves. Otherwise, you're right. The court of public opinion just sways too far to the other side. It felt a little too personal to me what the Cardinals, you know, what, 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 the, what the, some of the things that they put in their report. Um, but I understand how they could feel like they were attacked in all of this, especially the stuff about the racial inequity, the stuff about the work environment being what it is. I mean, that's, you know, that's it, it's it's funny, right? There's like it's not funny. It's it's the way you run your business, you know, that like there's almost two separate things here. How Michael is running the business, that's what came under attack and the Cardinals retaliate not retaliated they defended themselves by kind of pointing out all the things that Terry McDonough had done it, it got personal and, and again I just noticed some people around the league pro football talk was another who kind of pointed out boy that was really a strong strong response by the Arizona Cardinals was it too strong of a response given that that what Terry was allegedly doing was bringing shining a light on workplace issues and not making it personal just saying this is how the business is run there I, I don't know what the right answer to it is, but I know when I read it, I thought, man, this is, there's a lot of stuff in here when it comes to the Cardinals email and their response. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm more of the, I feel like you should defend yourself type of thing. Yeah. And, I mean, that's me. I get that side of it. No, I really do. I, I get that I, side of it. It's hard to just sit there and take all these 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 body blows and not say anything. Most people would probably not say anything, but there. I mean, sometimes you feel like you got to defend yourself when people are attacking you, and you believe that they're a hundred percent wrong. And for the record, I'm not saying they shouldn't have defended themselves. I know, I know. Or shouldn't have said. You know, I'm just just did they did they go a little too far in doing it? I think that's kind of what people are talking. At least some people are talking about. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty. When we come back, he's had a strong bench play the last few weeks behind DeAndre Ayton. Bismack Biombo, Suns Big Man, joins us next only on Arizona Sports. Home of the Suns. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court. You hear it straight from a Suns player with Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing, Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair, that's americaroofingco.com. All right, every Tuesday or Wednesday, we get the chance, this depends on the schedule, we get a chance to talk with a member of the Phoenix Suns. Off the court, our weekly player interview here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, he's always one of our favorite conversations. We always have a really good time talking with Bismack Biombo, and he joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line on the Burns and Gambo Show. Bismack, welcome back to the show. I'm Dave. This is Gambo. You remember us. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How you doing? Good, my friend. It has been an unbelievable stretch for you defensively, even offensively, playing some of your best basketball this year. But I have to start with these these blocked shots, you know, four against San Antonio, three against Denver, three against Minnesota, five against Philadelphia. Your defensive presence has been tremendous and it's something that you've always been known for. But just tell me about this stretch that you're playing right now these last couple of weeks. 
Uh, honestly, you know, just being grateful, one, uh, for the position that the coaches have put me in. Uh, two, is that uh, I think it's just building trust with, you know, my teammates. Uh, this has been throughout the year. Uh, we just kind of allow them to, I guess, rely on you to protect them. And then uh, vice versa, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just following the game plan. Uh, that the coach um, and coaches uh, give us um, and trying to execute that to the best of our ability, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you are... It's great that we're getting this win, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're averaging, to Gambo's point, you're averaging about a block and a half per game on the season, but I just ran the numbers over the last 10 games or so. It's like three blocks per game. I mean, almost double what your season average is. It, it's it, it, You talk about that trust. Clearly, they have a lot of trust in you as a defensive eraser back there, right? Uh, I, try, I try my best, man. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at the... The role of the bench players. We've seen some incredible stretches where the bench has come in and and played really, really well at times. I mean, the addition to Terrence War- Ross and T.J. Warren. You have so many talented players there, and I think everybody's fighting and battling for playing time. You know, you're in battles with, you know, to back up DeAndre with, with Jacques Landale. What's it like in practice? What's it like in these games where everybody's just <clears throat> trying to battle and fight for potential playoff minutes? Uh, I won't say battle, to be honest. Uh, I look at it as giving the coach enough options for the playoffs. Uh, because if you say battles, then, you know, it becomes like, <laughs> it's a whole different word or, or terminology to use, and especially for our situation, you know. Um, I think it's more so uh, we are trying to give the coach the options uh, so that when it comes playoff times and as we all know matchup changes uh, as the series goes on um, and whatever is going to be needed uh, to get this done um, and I think you know the more options we have the better and uh, clearly you have to have a really good and solid bench in order for you to win games in the playoffs because some, some days or some nights the bench going to save you. So I think, you know, we all kind of understand what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, we have a team that is not selfish. Uh, we we are a selfless team. Uh, you know, we trust each other. We share the ball. But at the same time, we understand that, you know, we are trying to accomplish the same thing, which is win at the end of the day. So, you know, it's, it's just how can we help the coach uh, and, and how can we help the team, you know. Um, and I know I wasn't playing at some at some point, uh, but I had to be consistent with my work ethic because I, you know, I know at some point we'll get the chance to help the team and so on and on. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that the way the, the, the assistant coaches and the coaching staff have built up programs to help players stay ready uh, speaks a lot about um, the type of organization that we have here. Bismack Biombo, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Three games left in the regular season for the Suns, and then with them locked into the fourth seed, we wait to see when the playoffs start, and we'll find out here in the next few days who the Suns will play in the first round. It, it seems like from here, Bismack, that 
that Monty's been trying a lot of different combinations. You just mentioned a second ago about options and all the different options. Have you guys felt in the locker room that, that Monty Williams is really, for lack of a better way of putting it, experimenting right now with different guys off the bench to see what works and what doesn't? I think he knows what he has, to be honest. Uh, probably he's just trying to figure out how to get different guys with him. But the coach, you know, Monty is a great coach, man. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Uh, we all have seen that. But again, don't forget that it's just a few games ago that we just we were at full capacity, you know. And, 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 and we had to deal with injuries the whole season, throughout the whole season. And then the trade happened. New guys got to come and you got to incorporate them into the system. So um, to your point is that uh, is he trying to figure out the options? I think he knows the options he has, but it's now it's just a matter of getting everybody on the same page and, you know, making sure that everybody out there with him so that when it comes down to the playoffs, you know, we're, we're good to go. So, um you know, I think he has been great. Um, the energy around the team has been great. You know, guys have been very positive and excited also about the opportunities that we have again. And again, for you know, for some of us, it is a blessing to just be able to make the playoffs. Let's not forget that. You know, there's a lot of teams around this time are planning to go home, and we have a chance to not just get in the playoffs, but going to fight for a championship, which is very exciting from a player perspective. Sure. When you get in the gym, when you work to get better, you're working for something. And I think at this time of the year, it brings a lot of excitement to all the players. So, you know, we have the right guys in the locker room um, to get this done and I really look forward to the opportunity that we have given ourselves and the organization I've given us. I'm really curious how you're going to answer this next question because I was talking with Channing Fry yesterday and you know and we were talking about these teams that are behind you Golden State the Lakers the Clippers he looks like look nobody wants to get to five everybody would rather be six or seven even if you have to play in the play-in tournament nobody wants to play the Phoenix Suns right now I mean you got the, the Clippers and the Lakers are playing tonight. I don't know if anybody wants to win that game. Do you do you look at it like that? Do you look at it like you guys are so dangerous that that these teams that nobody really wants to be five, they prefer prefer to be six, seven, or eight? To be honest with you, I'm not really concerned about other teams because if one thing at least I learned uh from us last year, we were the best team in the league and Dallas was the one that actually beat us in game seven. So I, you know, until today, I still don't forget about how how we lost. So uh, putting everything in perspective is that when the playoffs start is the new season. And we all have to be mindful of that. Um, I do think we are a dangerous team, but you cannot also underestimate um, other teams being you know, very dangerous uh, because we all see Golden State was not the number one. They were number two, but they end up winning everything. So that just tells you that when the playoffs start, it's it's, uh, it's a different season. Um, it's a lot of pressure, and um, and that's why the playoffs is fun. So, you know, for me, it's just, you know, as long as we get our rhythm going, we have everybody on the same page, Um Thank God we have a really healthy team now. 
and everybody continue to work towards that. Um, you know, my hope is that, you know, we stay healthy and then we continue to get our rhythm together as a team. And and also, I think you guys have been watching the beginning of the third quarter. I've been a little struggle for us. So we're still working on, you know, how we can solve those problems. Um, it happened a few times. So now, you know, it's just a matter of us correcting all these little details and, you know, seeing how we can continue to improve. Even when now we know, you know, Kevin Durant going to be double most of the time. You know, Devin Booker going to be Blake most of the time. They're going to put two guys on him. And how everybody kind of figure a way to play around that is going to make us effective. And some nights they're not going to hit a lot of shots. And that's why you need all the guys around to have their rhythm so that there is enough trust in the next guy uh, to help the team get there. Yeah. And I think we have that in our locker room. And uh, and we're, we're going to continue to push for, you know, for all the little, you know, mistakes we are making to correct them and then be ready by next uh, next weekend. Bismack, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for coming on for a few. We wish you nothing but the best in the next few weeks, okay? Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Biz. Biz MacBiambo joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're all waiting for movements on the DeAndre Hopkins trade market. Still hasn't happened yet. He's not the only one rumored to be moving. We'll tell you some of the latest next on the Burns and Gambo show. and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. How could we forget? It is time to update our Twitter poll question of the day. Let's turn it over to Mitch Vareldis here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. The number four seed is clinched. There are three games to go. What do the Suns do, right? What do they do? Specifically, I should say, with their starters. That's the focus of our poll question today. Three games. How should the starters' minutes, more so, be handled? Regular minutes? Less than 30 a game for each starter? Or you just sit them out at one of these three games? Sit them out one of the three. That's That was my answer. I mean, I something in between there that could work, but we'll just go with what you have, and I'll go with sit, sit them out one game. But honestly, I, I and I'm not trying to mold this to my own, you know, reasoning here. I, I think, I think they're going to play them less than 30 minutes a game too. I, I, I think there's going to be a combination of those things, but uh, I they'll they'll sit them for a game. I, either the Clippers game at the end of the season, the second night of a back to backs, probably the Clippers game. But we'll see. What's our audience say on this? I have one? to include some option D's in future polls like this, but 55. 0.6% are going with the middle option, which is less than 30 minutes a game in the final three games. 26.8% going with regular minutes for the final three. And then 17.7% with you guys saying sit at least one of them out. All right. That's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you can find it. I'll tell you what you're not going to find when you go to the Burns and Gambo Twitter page or what you're not going to find anywhere right now. And that's the latest when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins, because right now there is no latest when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins. It is April 5th, and DeAndre Hopkins is still a member of the Cardinals. I still can't believe it, right? Yeah, me either. I can't. I mean, the most incredible thing that I heard, like, in the last week was this, okay, maybe they'll just cut DeAndre Hopkins. What? 
You've got one of the premier talents in the league that just get cut. Like it, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Like it's not like the contract's crazy and absurd. So that was a fascinating thing. But there was a story I was looking at today, just talking about the five most likely candidates to be traded. Um, you know, during the 2023 draft, which is what you say, three weeks from today. Three weeks from three tomorrow. Weeks from tomorrow. Three, three weeks from, from tomorrow, tomorrow. The draft starts. This was, and three of them were wide receivers. So Hopkins. Jerry Judy, the wide receiver for the Broncos. They had some running backs in there as well, but also Allen Robinson from the Rams. So I'm looking at that. And I'm like, I wonder if, listen, the draft has produced a lot of good wide receivers lately. And a lot of teams like that, you get guys cheaper. The, the trade market is out there. Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there. But just when you're looking at a list of five players that could be traded, and three of them are wide receivers, it just gave me a pause for a second. And like, I wonder, could that be why? Hopkins hasn't been traded because Jerry Judy's a good option. Because, I don't know, maybe some team would rather have a cheaper Allen Robinson. I'm not sure. But it is fascinating to me that Hopkins hasn't been traded. Maybe it will just come down on draft day. You know, when a team decides, okay, I didn't get the wide receiver I wanted in the first round. I didn't get the wide receiver I wanted in the second round. Let me just trade my third round pick to the Cardinals for Hopkins because I thought I was going to get this guy in the second round and I didn't, so now I'll make this trade. Yeah, I, I that certainly is possible, and there certainly are options still on the marketplace, and I do think the draft, well, you're right about that. If you do it right, you can find wide receivers in the draft, right? You you can yes. find them and you can use them, and, and I mean the Cardinals haven't been particularly good at it, but you can do it if you know what you're doing. I mean, even the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Everyone thinks that that's one of the places DeAndre Hopkins could go. What did their coach Andy Reid say a couple of weeks ago? Hey, it's a big year for Sky Moore. Big year for him. We're going to need him to step up, you know, especially now since Juju Smith-Schuster is in, in New England and Michael yeah. Hardman's gone, right? Like, they're, they're expecting Sky Moore to step up as a wide receiver they drafted. You can find guys in the draft as long as you know what you're doing. I think the explanation, like a lot of things, what is the simplest explanation for this? And to me, the simplest explanation is teams think the Cardinals have to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, so they think the asking price is going to come down. The Cardinals probably think that teams are going to realize that DeAndre Hopkins is the one guy who might put them over the top for a Super Bowl and that eventually they'll give up a third round pick for a guy like that and it's a stare off. I mean it's just the two sides. No one's blinking right now. I gotta think at the root that's what's taking so long. Do you remember when this Cardinals traded Josh Rosen? I do. It was after they after they picked Kyla Murray. Yes. It was after. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, even well, less I remember very well. Mm-hmm. So the Cardinals were looking at trading Josh Rosen all the way up until the draft. No takers. Nobody wanted to give them the second round pick that they were adamant that they would they wanted to have. The draft comes and they take Kyla Murray. Josh Rosen's still on the roster. They haven't traded him. Their leverage in getting a late first round pick, an early second round pick, even a middle second round pick, it's gone. Now, eventually, Miami, with two second-round picks, decide, I'll take a flyer with my second second-round pick. Cardinals were hopeful to get the first second-round pick. It didn't happen. I remember the draft. Miami, had, I think Miami had even made the pick. In this with this, we thought, okay, maybe they'll trade him. Maybe they'll trade him. Maybe they'll trade for Rosen. Maybe. We're watching the draft wondering who's going to trade for Rosen as I, these picks are going by. I remember by. like it was yesterday. Nobody makes a trade. Now, after Miami makes that trade, like, geez, okay. You're not going to get that pick. You're down to the last couple of picks in the second round, and they finally you get the Miami pick. But you have even you had even less leverage after you took Kyla Murray. Was, I mean, if Miami didn't trade for Josh Rosen, I don't know who the hell would have. 
I don't know. You, you might you might have got a fourth round pick for him. You might have. You because Miami was just the only reason Miami did it is like oh, I'll take a flaw. We got two second round picks. Yeah, and you, you know I'm glad that you brought that up because to me here's the difference. Here's the difference between that situation and the D Hub situation is that back then when the Cardinals looked these other teams in the eye and said, and I remember that draft night when they took Kyler Murray and Steve Kimes saying, oh, well, we could just keep Josh Rosen. Sure, we could just keep. Nobody believed him. No. Nobody believed him. No, no, no you are in fact not going to keep Josh Rosen. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, I, I appreciate you standing in the podium and saying what you're saying. You are in fact not going to keep Josh Rosen, and everybody knows it. This situation. You can keep DeAndre Hopkins. You can. Yeah. You don't know. It might run counterculture to what you're trying to do this year, which is maybe not win a lot of football games. And DeAndre Hopkins Hopkins might help you win football games. But from a cap standpoint, you don't need the cap space. You don't. You don't. You don't need to create this cap space to go do something else. If you want to keep D Hop on the roster, you've got like twenty million dollars in cap space right now. You don't have to do it. So I think when other teams are looking at the Cardinals, like, oh yeah, you have to. You have to cut them. You have to trade them. You have no choice. I don't think the leverage is on other teams' side like it was when the Josh Rosen situation. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I, I think it's a different circumstance right now. They can keep them if they want. I reported on April twenty sixth. Uh, as for Rosen, we know some interest from Miami, and I've heard the Chargers are kicking the tires, but also that the Patriots are not showing any interest into this point. So we went into April 26th, and from my reports from talking to the Cardinals, Miami and the Chargers were the only teams that had any interest. So there wasn't a lot of interest in the guy. Now, I don't, like, I don't know how many teams are interested in D-Hop, but I would hope that it's more than two. Yeah, But it may it may come down to... Do I get the wide receiver in the draft in the first or second round that I want? And if I don't, would I be willing to give up a third-round pick for the Cardinals to get to get Hopkins from there? All right, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, it happened again to the Phoenix Suns last night. It wasn't fatal. It hasn't been fatal. But this blowing leads thing, it happened again last night. What's being done about it? We'll talk about it next on Burns and Gambo.